Welcome to Trail Angels Powered by Karen the Load. It's Annette and Mark, and we are thrilled to have you join us today. And as our special guest, we have Tabitha Perry. Tabitha, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited about this episode and the things that we're going to learn and the things that Tabitha is going to share with us about the different experiences in her life. Tabitha is the ultimate go-to for the non-nine-to-fiver who doesn't have the typical schedule and needs help getting their daily life on track. Now, who doesn't need that? (laughs) 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 And, um, you know, I, I was, I'm right there and I, and I need that. So, so I'm excited to hear some of these tips, but Tabitha spent over 15 years working in the criminal justice system and she has over 20 plus moves under her belt. She has a master's in social work. She's a girl mom. How many girls? Two. Love it. We have two daughters as well and two sons. Uh, a wifey and a life coach. She's got advice that will make any day less stressful for the person juggling many balls in the airs. So I... Tabitha, just I, I just want to just talk right off the bat about this experience you had in the in the criminal justice system. Yeah, absolutely. It's not something um, that people expect when they meet me that I have that um, <laughs> experience. But really, where it came from was um, I'm an only child, and I grew up with a friend, um, and he he's my brother. Alex. And he ended up going into the system when he was 14. And I knew that he was a good guy. He just made poor choices. And so as a type one on the Enneagram, I'm very much like justice and like rules. And so it totally fit my personality to go into the criminal justice system. And, and, but from a perspective of wanting to help. So my first job in the justice system was a parole and probation intern where I got to supervise people that were low risk, like they weren't super like scary or violent, um, but they had done, you know, time and I had the opportunity to like encourage them to make good choices and to live a life like the second opportunity. And so it has been super fun. Um, but at 20 and then I was a juvenile detention um transporter. And so any kid that got arrested in Boulder, Colorado, they would come into the jail and then I, they would be processed. And then I would transport them to like a long-term facility. And then I worked in a mental health facility um, at the Denver County jail, worked in the women's and the men's unit. And, uh, and that was like my paid career. When I started, when I decided to stay home with my girls, I missed working in the prisons, which is Again, weird to like miss prison, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> I ended up volunteering and um, doing Bible studies in a couple different prisons when I, I lived in Alaska, in Texas, and now I'm in Minnesota. So I was able to to still stay in the prison system, even though I wasn't like a paid employee. Or you weren't behind locked doors in the prison system. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Right in there with them. <laughs> you know, we love enneagrams. And you know, you're the one. I'm a two. Mark, you're a. I, I'm a, a three. No, no, five. No, a, I've lost it this morning. <laughs> it's, it's still it's still a little bit early for us. But Annette, Annette is a helper, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm an achiever. And and sometimes sometimes they clash. And uh, you know, good thing that uh, we we've been able to understand a little bit more about uh, how we are to interact a little bit more effectively. But what I love about what that points out to who we are, right? I mean, I've never done I've done lots of personality tests and things like that, but this one nailed it. Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at you know what we've done in our in you know throughout our lives and and our who we are today. I mean, it really, it really does nail it. But Alex, mm-hmm. your 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 brother, you know, yep. we all make poor choices. Yep. And and I love that at fourteen, you you just saw, you know, you you saw the good in him. He is your brother still. Yeah. And um, 
and you wanted to help. And I love how that's that's carried forward in in your life and and so many others. And what an example and of hope I'm sure that you have been to him and, and to many others in that system. I we used to live um about a mile, if that from the prison, the Utah State Prison. And we lived there for 25 years and we have, there's a lot of uh, friends and people that we know that would go and and uh, help out and volunteer at the prison in, in whether it was a Bible study class or other things, but they're good, good people that just yeah. have made these poor, poor mistakes. And I've heard it before about how they love the feeling when they're in there helping. In the prison, especially when they're doing those Bible study classes. Yes, yes, because they get to a place where they need hope, right? They're literally kind of at the lowest of the low that they've ever been, and uh, they can't go nowhere. (laughs) So I love going there because I'm like, I have your undivided attention. I know that you get to stay with me here for an hour. We get to talk about Jesus, and we get to talk about hope and grace, and that you always have a second chance. It's, it's beautiful. But, you know, we all need hope and grace and that second chance. And one of the things that you talk about is how specifically Christian women are living in their own prisons. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit more about that thought? Yeah. And it's, it's a little uncomfortable to talk about because I myself found myself in my own prison, right? So working with people in prison, I I thought that most people would just feel kind of constrained and frustrated, but there was a lot of people that found freedom, that it was comfort because of the predictability or, or however they found that freedom. And then as a stay-at-home mom, I had a lot of stay-at-home mom friends and they literally just acted almost worse off than some of these people in prison, feeling like they didn't have choices, that this was just their life, that they just had no control, no no freedom. And it just really sat in my heart. And then I also saw that it was a mirror, (laughs) maybe to my own life as well, that I wasn't really being intentional and taking the steps that I could of living a life that I truly wanted, not feeling like I had to stick to this cookie cutter way of the way that a woman is, you know, the church has like this unspoken thing of if you're a good woman, you will stay home with your children, you will support your husband. Um, But that doesn't have to be, you can be a hybrid version, right? Like each of us has a different calling to our life. So I just found that a lot of my mom friends and still to this day, they just don't feel like they have a choice that this is just their lot in life. And when the kids get out of the house, then they'll start their life. Then they'll figure out who they are and what they want. The problem is by then you've almost forgot it so much that you just can't even live in the freedom and the opportunity that you you could have if you would have started earlier. It's just a, like a deeper hole to kind of dig dig out of. I I um, we see that all the time. We don't do we? see that all the time, and it was it's interesting because I'm thinking back to when we had our children at home, and you know, as empty nesters now, you do have a little more freedom, a lot more freedom. <laughs> and But I, I think about how we did it. And I think, you know, there is that prison-like feel at times, especially when Mark traveled a lot, that, you know, I, I had to get, you know, Susie here and Melissa here and Reed here and Tommy here and make sure they did, you know, all the things. And, and there was, and by the end of the day, I mean, I was so excited when it was bedtime, but by then I was exhausted. So there really wasn't this time for me. Yeah. The me time, you know, I would just, you know, it wasn't the best, but I would just turn on the TV, just something just to have a little noise besides the children, you know, and just to live in somebody else's life a little bit, because I couldn't, I didn't have the energy to be in my life and to be in my head life and to. Sure. 
Because it's the vulnerability. It's so much easier to focus on our kids or our husband or everything else. Because when we look at ourselves, we have to be honest. Well, we don't have to be honest. But it's nice to be honest and like vulnerable about like where you really are. And that's where a lot of women lose self-trust along the way is because they forget to kind of look internally on who they are and what they want. And then they just kind of keep breaking promises to themselves. Like, well, I want to read more or I want to go exercise or I want to be involved in this or go back to school. But then they don't. And then they lose trust with themselves. And then they don't even end up liking themselves. Again, I'm speaking from like personal experience here. Um, But once they start really kind of focusing back on like, well, who am I? And not like I have to be a mom or myself. It's like I can be a mom and I can be Tabitha. I can be Tabitha and I can work in the prison and be a mom and a social worker. Like God gave us a lot of abilities. And I feel like women need to like step into that more and not feel so small and quiet about it. So do it sounds like uh and, and I'm not just going to limit it to women but mm-hmm. uh, I I think that uh, we we limit ourselves yes. and and we we put ourselves in a box where we we have a hard time getting out but you said something interesting a few minutes ago about the fact that uh that uh, once once a person let, let's just say a woman uh <clears throat> to gets out of that uh out of that box maybe the kids are all gone they're gone to school uh that's not the time to reinvent yourself necessarily, is it? Mm, that's a really good <laughs> question. At any point in time, you have an opportunity, right? And it can be before if, you know, you find yourself like, who, you know, the listeners right now, like, oh my gosh, my kids are out of the house. They've been out of the house for 10 years and I still don't know what I'm doing with myself. It is never too late to really focus on who you are and what you want to do. And so to reinvent yourself. That was fun thing about moving so many times is I kind of got to reinvent myself every single time. Now, there's my base foundation of who I am, and I worked a lot on being confident and having that be stable, but each time I kind of got to tweak things. And so women and men, right, we all have an opportunity to work on that and to reinvent ourselves, even if you don't move a lot. Um, But it is a little bit harder because people expect certain things from us and interactions. And so when we start to grow and change, that changes the dynamic with other people and it gets uncomfortable. And then we have to start figuring out, do we still want these people in our lives? Cause they're going to want us to kind of stay the same because that was comfortable. When we grow, we hold up a mirror to other people and they have to kind of take a look at themselves and be like, Oh man, I haven't grown in a couple years. Like I'm still the same as I was a you know, 10 years ago. So just, there's a lot of challenges to growing and stepping into who you truly are. But it is uncomfortable. But we, but we also know what happens to stagnant water. Uh, no. You know, we, we become stagnant sometimes and we don't grow and we don't progress. <clears throat> and and uh, when we don't progress, and I, I think it's even harder when the time does come, we have more freedom to to really make a decision that, uh, yeah, it's, it's time to do something different. And so, so what are some of the things along the way that we can do so that we don't become stagnant? Ooh, this is so good. So you have to be able to, so things are stagnant until something disrupts it, right? So you have to create some type of disruption in your life. So when I realized that I was stagnant, the first thing that I did was realize my world was small and needed to make it bigger. So I started to get information from other other places. I was intentional about finding women that I kind of was intrigued by how they live their life and set up coffee dates. I listened to podcasts from people that I thought were interesting and could give me, you know, practical advice. Um, I started reading more, whether it was listening to audiobooks. I just needed new information because what I had kept me stagnant. So I needed to bring in other things. So those were some of the, the practical things that I did to create um, some disruption in that stagnation. But it was really uncomfortable. And to expect it to be <laughs> like simple and peaceful is, is unrealistic. Like it's going to feel uncomfortable, but just embrace it and know that you're growing in that discomfort. You know, there's so many great tidbits there in what you said about the discomfort and and the choices and the action, you know, it was intentional. 
Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. intentional choices that you made. I've been thinking about when I um, kind of, I, I had to reinvent myself. I didn't know who I was. And it was kind of forced upon me because our son had passed away. Mm. And then a few months later, he was number three of our four. And then a few months later, our, our youngest went to college. So all of a sudden, everything I was, was taken away. And I, I mean, talk about stagnant. And, and it was so uncomfortable. And I had to learn in an intentional way, different things to find who I really was. Oh, that's so good that you were intentional about that. And I, I wasn't at first, but I was, I was tail spinning and, and I was digging deep in this deep, dark hole. And I was finding, you know, I got kept going down instead of coming up to the light and it took, and, you know, gratefully, Somehow I came across some podcasts and and just some, um, and like you said, it was some friends that intrigued me that I didn't really know really well, but I wanted to. And those were all things that kind of helped me start climbing out. Mm -hmm. But it took a lot of work. It wasn't comfortable anywhere I was at. Yeah. Because everything got just thrown away in, in how I was feeling. But one of the things I want to go back to that we just touched on was this trust with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and how do we build that trust? Because, you know, we've lived this lifetime of in this box that we wanted the best and we thought that we were you know, this is the only thing I can do right now. And in reality, as we nurture and take care of ourselves, we're a better mom. We're a better wife. We're a better friend if we take care of ourselves. And so I, but I think we forget and we think that's selfish. And so we don't mm-hmm. take care of ourselves. But like you had mentioned, when we, you know, make these commitments and we break them, you know, whether it's going to exercise or I'm going to eat healthier, whatever that promise is, and we lose that trust with ourselves. How do we rebuild that? Mm, that's such a good question. And that looks different for each each person. Um, the, but fundamentally, it's consistency. Because we can only build trust when we have integrity with that. We follow through with what we say we're going to do and we do it enough that it's a pattern. So trust is really something that if you were to not go show up to hang out with a friend regularly, that relationship with that person would not be very healthy, right? They would probably become resentful and frustrated that you weren't respecting time with them. When we don't follow through with our own appointments with ourselves, we also have that same dynamic where we have an unhealthy relationship with not respecting ourselves enough to show up. So rebuilding that trust is starting small. It's not saying, okay, I'm going to go and do this big thing. It's literally about an itty bitty little win and then following through with that win. And then maybe making like a little bit larger promise to yourself and then following through with that. To me, I'm all about small, small edits, which I have a podcast called um, The Life Edit. And it's all about small, small little baby steps because that is how you build trust. Now, eventually you're going to get to a place where you have so much trust with yourself, you can do bigger and wilder things. But for someone like myself that needed to start out small and just kind of reintroduce myself to myself, um, that small edit. And, um, And so it could be a very practical way is going to bed at a certain time. With creating order in life, which I'm, is the best way to build trust with yourself because it creates consistency and structure. It, it will help you just follow through, but also get that rest, 
right? Because we don't have the energy even to follow through with the things that we want to do if we're not resting. And so set a time and go to bed at that time or a time that you wake up. Those are just kind of some real practical ways of building trust. And if even that's too hard, start smaller, right? Like I am going to read for five minutes a day. Whatever your goal is, break it down into almost like you were to have a five-year-old try something. Like what would that five-year-old need to do? And so again, I know we're all adults, but it's good to start at the practical level, even like childlike level, just to build ourselves up. I, I really love that uh, because it is a childlike level sometimes that so we have to go back to. You know, one of the big buzzwords in in uh, our vocabulary right now, especially in business, is the word mindset. Yes. And and mindset is is really important in on in so many different levels. And changing a mindset is really difficult, especially if you have a belief that words like disruption or uncomfortable or change or my time are, are all negative words or have negative connotations. How can we change our mindset so that we recognize that, you know, it's it's okay to embrace change because we we all seem to at times in our lives be so stuck in the present that, that, that we just are maybe afraid to make those uh, changes. And so... <sighs> You know, I struggle with that sometimes. You know, we we get in we, we get in uh, unproductive routines, yeah. and 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 I love what you talk about having routines. You know, consistent routines, going to bed at the right time, probably having morning routines as well, and how important that is. But how do we get our mind to adapt to these changes that we hear every single day, but we just don't have the courage maybe to embrace? Mm, and that's such a good question. I think the first thing that you must do is really be honest with what thoughts you're having. So we say mindset, which is a really broad term, but we have to be very specific on the thought because our thoughts are what affect our emotions and then our emotions are what affect what we actually do. So if we can figure out the thought that's kind of triggering us, whether it's a good trigger or a bad trigger, then we can actually work on that feeling that motivates us. And then ultimately that changes. So what I mean is like, for a lot of my friends, they are not morning people. And they're like, Tabitha, how on earth do you wake up at 5am every day? That is horrible. Like I am a night person. And right there, that is their thought. I'm not a morning person. I am a night person. Now that may be true or not, but we can change and tweak that thought, tweak that mindset to produce an emotion that's a little bit excited. Like I may not have always been a morning person, but I'd like to be like, that seems way more freeing and energizing than I'm not a morning person. So being able to identify that thought that you're maybe stuck on and have it still be true, but tweak it. So there's just a little bit more potential there to be able to like inspire you to do something different. That's something that I could benefit from because <laughs> I, you know, I, I know that, you know, I'm really not a morning person. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, but I'd like to be, oh, you know, yeah. maybe not 5 a.m., <laughs> but you know, but six doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> yes, and being a morning person is really—I I think it's not necessarily about the time you wake up. It's just that it's become a routine, and you enjoy it, right? You enjoy being up at night. I don't like my brain turns off. I'm I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Get me up in the morning. I'm fantastic. So really, again, it's just like shifting that mindset to being creating a morning that you actually enjoy, just like you enjoy your evenings. And then that shift allows you that motivation to get uncomfortable, right? Because uh -huh. there's that stagnation of life where this is just what you've done for so many years. You stayed up late and you've slept in. Well, wanting to change it, you have to like create kind of new fun ways and to inspire you. Um, and then it's also okay to be a night person too. Um, and just to kind of own who you are as well, if it fits into your lifestyle. I know they say it's really good to be a morning person, and it absolutely is. But with this day and age, with how technology is, not everybody has to wake up at 8 o'clock and get to a work, right? Like, 
who I work with are the non nine to fivers. So I work a lot with them on creating structure in their life that doesn't look like them getting up at five and going to bed at eight thirty. A lot of them have their best work late at night. Like for example, my five year old is home with me now, which I apologize. She's karaoke right now. So if you can hear any background noise, that has been her on the karaoke machine. So there's been times because she's home now, I have to like record my podcast and do things later at night um, just because I've had to shift things during the specific season. All that to be said, mindset is meant to be flexible and growth, not fixed. You know, I, I appreciate that you talk about the season in your life. And I remember when I had my little five-year-old and probably a three-year-old at the time, and I started a business at home. I was, I was not the cookie cutter mom. And I always had something that I enjoyed along the way as we did things. And Having the children, you know, you couldn't keep them quiet. It's just like your daughter on the karaoke. You know, they had different things and you'd sometimes they'd come running in, even though they knew they weren't supposed to. And I'd be on a call and I actually think I I probably got earned more uh, sales because of the fact that I was doing it in this season in a unique way that wasn't typical at the time. And, and I love it. I love that I, you know, that, that you're doing that and that you are teaching all of us and our audience that, you know what, you can do things in a way that's created by you for you and it's, and it works. Yes. And it looks different. And I think that's where, especially in the church, there's this idea of like, it's kind of like ideal life. But I don't, I don't want to have that. I want to literally be a light where people are like, wait, you do what? And they look at my life and be like, why are you different? And I can say, well, because of Jesus. But ultimately, I just want to be able to like live intentionally in how I was created. And so if that means having my daughter, you know, be out there, which again, I apologize for the karaoke machine. The one time that she finds it, she hasn't been on that karaoke machine in weeks. <laughs> And she found it. Um, But it's really just being able to own who you are and do what you need to do, even if it looks different than what your friends are doing and other people. And so that has been a challenge for my husband and I as we've moved a lot and lived maybe very radically different lives of traveling often and, and just doing different things that are unexpected. Um, it doesn't look like a lot of people's lives, but that is what we're called to do. And so that is how we're living out our calling. So, so Tabitha, here's where we fall short a little bit, I think sometimes. And uh, we, we know that the road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions. Good intentions. <laughs> and, and I think that we all have good intentions, but sometimes we, the, the, the chain is broken between good intentions and actually making that change. Uh, can we talk just a little, little bit about uh, consistency and maybe even journaling? Is journaling important as we're trying to put together some ideas as to how we're going to change? Yes, absolutely. So you, I love to journal. Now, I don't have a certain way to journal. I know that there's all these things out there and I'm a very structured person, but like, I don't want to be restricted <laughs> to how I'm supposed to write things out. Um, but what I have found, and I have journaled since I was 10, and I'm 36 now, so I've got a lot of journals filled with a lot of thoughts, is that the one thing that journals have helped me do is reflect back and have an actual objective look on reality versus what my brain remembers, right? And so I'm actually able to see growth and change or maybe some backsliding because I've journaled. And that has been really helpful with being able to manage how I want to move forward. I feel like journaling is such an amazing opportunity to to really just get those thoughts out into the light. Because when they stay in our mind, there's so many times we can overthink and manipulate and it just kind of gets overwhelming. But when we get those thoughts out onto paper to be able to fully um, 
be honest with ourselves, that is where like the true power is and where consistency can happen. Because consistency can only happen is when we know what we're replicating, when we know what we're doing. And a lot of times we have to remind ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I got to write stuff down. Like I cannot remember all the things. So writing down, Tabitha, these are your goals. And then to reflect on them is just really, really important. And actually it's interesting you bring up um, well, I had used the word consistency, but that word is my word for 2022. So what I actually did was I, um, I do this activity for myself where it's roles and goals. So the different roles in, that I play in life, like being a mom, being a business owner, being a wife. And then I filtered it through what it looked like to be a consistent mom, what it looked like to be a consistent consistently good wife, what it looks like to be a consistently good businesswoman. And so that way I kind of had some like practical application of how I could live out a consistent life in very specific, tangible ways. Because again, we, a lot of times we like put things way up here, like I want to be consistent, but what does that actually mean? Right. Got to bring it down. The real life application. And, and I think that's where we get lost is yeah. that bringing it down and, and being honest with, and those goals, you know, be realistic too. You talk about the small edits. Yes. So I, I think that we, we said, you know, we look at the big picture and we just want to jump as opposed to taking, you know, what are those baby steps? Yeah. Uh, baby, as long as they're in the right direction to the ultimate goal, then the baby steps, those small edits make a huge, huge difference. They absolutely do. And in this day and age, we are very much instant gratification, right? Like if I have to wait longer than five minutes at Starbucks or 10 minutes at Chick-fil-A, like it's just, it can give frustrating, but in our lives, when we want true change, it takes a while. And so having those small edits will actually speed it up because you can see some change a lot quicker because it's smaller. You know, one of the things too, that I, I appreciate, appreciate that comment, you know, people are just complaining over and over. And I, Mark and I were just having this discussion the other night. I said, I'm so tired of people just voicing their anger because they don't get their way or what they want instantly. Yeah. And, and how do we, are we sabotaging ourselves just with this being negative all the time? What do we yes. do? I mean, I, I just trying to, I don't know that, that, that didn't come out as a good question. No, actually it, 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 <laughs> because we do sabotage ourselves, especially now, I think, during the last two years is that all we have seen, whether it's on media or maybe even around us is the negativity. And, and I, I think it's a good question. How do we sabotage ourselves? And, mm-hmm. and where, what do we need to watch out for as, as we uh, don't get caught in that trap? Yeah, those are really so important and things I've been thinking on as well. So in regards to the negativity is yeah. What, what are you putting into your mind, right? Um, my girls and I, we listen to a lot of music in the car and there's that little that song that's like, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little ears what you hear. Like that is a practical application for adults. <laughs> when I heard it, I was like, oh, I need to be careful what I'm looking at. I need to be careful what I'm listening to. So if you are listening to more news, more even just shows that are negative, versus truth, versus light, versus goodness, of course, you're going to have more negativity. So this is where I really suggest to my clients a lot of the time is to do an audit. Where are you putting your attention? Like, what are you like listening to and looking at and make sure that it hasn't, I mean, it probably has gone out of proportion and that's just normal. That's just life, but be okay with looking at it, be honest, and then bringing it back into proportion. And not everything that we're going to look at is like beautiful and 100% positive, but it's more important to be true with yourself about it and then adjust to make sure that it is more positive and to limit the negativity. Hmm. You know, I, I think that you bring up and you brought, you've mentioned this a few times, whether it's journaling, 
auditing or different, you know, just different things is being true and honest with yourself. Yes. And how often do we want to, to look and say, okay, I did, you know, I was really good. I was a great mom. I didn't yell today. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. You know, whatever, man, I am, you know, just pat yourself on the back. But in reality, when we take the blinders off, uh, (laughs) you know, maybe I, I did yell or I did, you know, do something that I got, I was out of control. I needed to put myself in timeout. You know, I remember a time that, and I, I'm not proud of this, but it, it changed who I was in the fact that I recognized that I needed to get control of me Mm. and that there was some anger inside me that had nothing to do with, with my husband or my children. It was me, but it was coming out directed at them and it scared me. Yeah. But I had to be honest. Yeah. How, why don't we like to be honest with ourselves? Well, we, a lot of us, myself included, weren't given tools on what to do with it when we see it. (laughs) Right. We're like, okay, I see the mess. Now what? Like, this is crazy. And for someone I'm a, I have perfectionism that I, I, constantly I'm working on and this fear of like failure, right. Of like letting other people see that as well as seeing it yourself. Um, but when you have the confidence and you've worked on your confidence to grow and to know that nothing is, is too far gone, that everything can be worked on and changed and, and blessed that that is really that confidence can help bring you back to being able to truly look at yourself and not judge yourself, be curious. And that is a shift Mm. that I had to make in my mind, also working in the justice system. I did not judge the people for being there. I was curious. How did you get here? What decisions did you make that and you ended up getting here? And even when I work with my clients, I want to help promote their goals. So it is not for me to judge if they want X, Y, Z. It is none of my business or it does not matter what my opinions are. I just need to be curious and help them be curious about why they want what they want. And that will help us build that self-trust and be consistent as well. But but there's a fine line, I think, there as well, isn't there? In the fact that, uh, you know, I, I've been I've, I've been admiring the, uh, the, the little sign you have behind you. Yes. Uh, there, you know, she designed a life she loved. And, you know... I, I I love that concept, and I and I think that'd be a great ep, epitaph on a gravestone. Uh, she, yeah, you know, she or, or he, to watch you and look at the, the graves. I I, I do, yeah. but but the fine line, I guess, is you know, do we have to be careful sometimes because we design something that maybe expectation wise isn't something that uh, we. I, I don't know. I, I I hate to say that any that nothing is impossible, because it's not. But is that where we get in trouble sometimes is our expectations are too high and maybe we're not perfect. (laughs) And because of that, uh, we, we just kind of give up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. I agree a hundred percent because I am really good at making goals that I cannot live up to with the season of life. So yeah, designing your life. um, You have to be again, really honest with yourself and being honest with yourself is knowing your desires and as well as also your limitations and accepting both of those is just who you are, not bad or good. And so being able to create this life where you're really wanting to step into who you are, um, it takes again, that honesty of, okay, maybe this isn't right now. And sometimes we have seeds in our mind of things that we want, but it's not now. It's just to kind of think on and eventually it'll grow and develop and so everyone has different paths and different uh, speeds. My husband, like he gets a decision, he wants to go. And I'm a processor. Like I want to think about it. I want to plan it out. And so when I, as I've designed my life, it's taken a lot longer to figure out what I want because I like to try things out and just really 
um, go at my own pace. And so when you're designing your life, you have to really own your own pace and not get caught up in everybody else's as well. And, and, and own your own capabilities as, as yes. well. Yep. Because my trap that I get caught in sometimes is that I, I see something or someone that I, I really admire. And I say, hey, I want to be like that person. And all of a sudden, I lose my individuality because I try to become somebody that I'm not. Yeah. Yes. And it's kind of this universalism that we're like, oh, we want to be like them. So we feel like we have to be everything like them. When really, we need to identify the specific thing. Like, oh, they're really good at getting up at a certain time. Or they're really good at writing books. And like almost again, kind of picking apart specifically what it is you like about them and then trying to grow that specific thing in ourselves. That's kind of how I have been able to, to look at other women that I really admire and not necessarily compare myself, but be inspired by them. And so mm, take the things that they have and then figure out how I can create strategies in my life for the season that I have, for my capabilities, for my limitations and see if I can do that. And sometimes I can't. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's not going to happen. <laughs> sometimes we can't, but sometimes we can. And sometimes I, I actually did this, which I didn't really, you know, recognize at the time what I was doing, but I, I had, you know, there were, there were kids in our neighborhood that were older than, than our children. And I, just thought you guys are really incredible. And, and I thought, what are your parents doing? You know, what, how are they instilling these, this confidence and these traits and these tools? And they were all different and unique, but yet there was something they, they, they were doing. And so I became, I was curious and I, that's going to be a new word of mine because I don't like the judge because we do judge ourselves. And so I, I like the curious, but I became really curious and I started picking out things. Oh, that's really good. And then I would incorporate, I tweak it. I'd make a small edit and be able to see how that fit into to my life and, and our family's life. And so I can look at our children now and I can say, oh, that came from this small edit over here, this small edit over here. And I am so grateful for these individuals who who helped me be a better wife, be a better mom, just be a better friend because I was able to take different pieces and learn with that curiosity and, and not not necessarily comparing or trying to be just like them, but love that piece. Mm, that's so good. That's and so good. So they really became, you know, they became trill angels to me in my life as we've, you know, we'll go back to that, the title of our show and, and trill angels. They, they were definitely trill angels in my life. And so I, I appreciated that, you know, our greatest, We've talked a lot about what you do and and that you go and you Bible study and in the church and different things like that. But and, and Jesus and why do you think I think this is another thing that is hard for many of us. And we we. You know, thou shalt not judge and we it, you know, we we don't understand it's it's got this wrong connotation. I, I believe that. I think if we replace that with curiosity, like you said, but why do you think so many Christians aren't living up to their potential? Because really what we've talked about in this, in this episode is so much about creating who we are, creating our best selves for the seasons that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. But why do we limit ourselves and why as Christians aren't we living up to that potential? Yeah. And man, that is a a big question. What first comes to mind is that many of us get caught up on our salvation. We accept Christ and we're like, 
okay, I'm done. I'm a Christian. I get to go to heaven. But there is a second thing that is living our life out for him. And sometimes that means doing things that we don't want to do, but we're supposed to, and we're supposed to be obedient. And so that is where the shift for me, I became a Christian when I was 10. And then it really has only been probably the past 10 years that I've really shifted my life to, okay, Lord, pivot. Okay, now here, now here. Okay, where where am I going now? And just being open to it. And again, it's really hard because I like structure. I like order. I like predictability. And God is a God of order, but there is a lot of pivoting and a lot of, okay, go fast, now go slow. Go fast, go slow. So where a lot of Christians get held up is the salvation part. We need the sanctification part where we're continuously developing our character and growing. And many of us women, as well as men, get stuck in that stagnant area of like, well, this is just me. I'm just going to live my life and I hope to do my best I can. Um, but we're we're called to do more. As well as like, um, in, there's the so many parables about uh, the rich man giving the servants money, right? And a couple of the servants actually reinvested and grew it and was able to give the the rich man more. And then there was one that buried it and didn't do anything with it. And how many times in my life I buried my talent because I was scared. I was scared of failure. I was scared of success. I don't know. I was just scared. I just have a fear problem. I'm working on it. But when we aren't afraid, when we can reinvest and try new things and grow and make those small edits, make those big edits, fail at it, make the small edits, that's when we can really step into who we are and then create this life that we want. And it's going to be messy. And the the thing that I have learned is that in order to create order, in order to have success, there's going to be mess. There is going to be mess. It, it, it is. But, you know, there's such a major theme, you know, that you're talking about. Uh, you talk about uh, bearing our talents. You know, you look at the uh, New Testament and uh, the theme continues with uh, putting our candle under a bushel. And mm-hmm. and uh, we, we do that. We, we, we do that without realizing that we all have talents, that we all have capabilities, that uh, we could truly be a blessing to so many others. But we don't do it because of that comfort level, because of that... Uh, desire to just keep the status quo. And so I, I appreciate you bringing that up because it is so important. It's not just what we can gain, but what we can give. Yes. And uh, and, and that's an important part of uh, our mission with uh, Trail Angels. Uh, Tabitha, tell us how we can get in touch with you or, or, or if any of our guests wanted to explore this further with you, how can they do that? Mm. Great question. So you can find me on Facebook, Tabitha Perry Life Coach, as well as Instagram. And I also have a podcast, uh, the Life Edit Podcast with Tabitha Perry. Thank you. And also, you're going to offer a free um, life strategy session. Yes, absolutely. To our listeners. And we will have that link in our show notes so that they can easily find you. on your website and get in contact with you and Facebook and such. So this has just been really a thought provoking conversation for me. But we've got to ask you one more question. Oh, we sure do. And and that question, you know, has real relevance to everything that we've talked about today. And uh, not only gaining the resources through programs like this, but being able to be a resource. Tabitha, who has been a, a trail angel in your life and why? Mm-hmm. What were some of the skills that they might have had that uh, made them a trail angel? So I would have to say my mom. She did a fantastic job of challenging me to always think about my thoughts and to think about my motives and just to continue to continually grow in who I am. And so she just demonstrated that in her own life as well as encouraged me when I was younger to read and to um, seek out advice from other people and just really not be afraid to have hard conversations with others as well as with myself and be able to look within. So I definitely say my mom. What a great example and trail angel your mom 
your mom is. I mean, the skills she taught you at a young age by challenging you to think about your thoughts and your motives. I, I just think that is something that is a tool and a skill we all need to understand. And yes, it wasn't fun at the time, though. <laughs> no, no, but, but if we, it, no, for sure not. And it's not cool. You know, it's hard to look and and really look at our thoughts and like, why am I thinking this way? And those those patterns, and we just did an episode on healthy thinking patterns and and what that, how it affects our lives. And um, it's just amazing to me, though, the power of thoughts. And so when I just look at that one, you know, one example of your trail angel and why it comes down to thoughts and that power of thoughts. And so I think I just looked that wise woman, she did a great job in, in what she shared. And um, this is just, it really has been a, a delightful conversation and, and one that, that, you know, there's a lot of th- thoughts that I'm having and and I'm thinking about some self audits that that I'm going to be doing. Oh, exciting! And in just these, you know, small edits, and why? You know, why do I want? I, I just know I can feel that I've got some things that that I need to do and would like to do. But but I liked how you taught us about journaling and the whys. You know, the roles and the goals, and and, and doing some things that way. There's just so many little takeaways from this this episode that I really feel like will not only just not only help me but help our listeners. And the other thought was to not be afraid to be a light. Mm. To to reach out and and help others. You talked about so much of your mission has been um the curiosity and helping others figure out their whys. And mm-hmm and why they're in the certain positions and not being afraid of the individual who's different. Maybe they're not literally in a physical prison, but we know individuals, we ourselves may be in a prison, but let's not be afraid to reach out to those who are in prison. We have the key to the prison door. We do. We really do. So, Thank you again, Tabitha. We really, really appreciate you joining us today. Each of us have a story to to share. The stories and experiences our guests share inspire us as well as help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become a part of Trail Angels and Karen the Load community through social media as well as to share the site with those you know. We are stronger together. Keep Karen.